It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live! Woohoo, baby! This week, starring... where is it? The weird way musicians can benefit from COVID-19. Weird title, huh? And thank you, fake audience. Thank you, very fake band. Let me get the chat room open so I can see everybody. Welcome, Floyd Armland, Mojo Bone, Darren Fletcher, Greg Carosa, Danceathon Music Publishing, uh, Ralph De Kemper, Ilaso Ilraso Emil, Dean Turner, Nancy Khalil, Dan Wessels. Hey, Dan. Uh, Cass McKenty, Mon Tom. Or Thom, Edmund Red, Gloria Covington, Darren Fletcher, Dave Friedland, <clears throat> Jan Michael Carnitz, David Hughes, Ann House, Sam Lusher, Rivera, Lauren Bell and Shrek, John Pearson, Space Moose, Patrick Adams, Bob Gunnerfelt, Lamar Pecorino, Alan Hall, Anthony Franz. Hello, everybody. Okay, so uh, I've got uh, allergies going on. <laughs> And a little thing in the back of my throat again today, and this could be me doing a lot of talking today. So hopefully uh, my tea and my throat lozenge will get me through this, but uh, I'm excited about this. Uh, man, I spent the whole weekend either thinking about or mostly working on this thing, <clears throat> and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a show. I promised you a good one, and I'm ready to rip, so if you guys are, let's do it. Um, so I sent you guys out an email the other day, and I want to read it for all the people who are going to watch this in the archive after the fact, uh, who aren't regulars of Taxi TV and didn't get the email. Um, and also, I want to remind you guys in the chat room to keep the chit-chat down to a minimum. It is a little distracting when I see the thing moving a lot over there. So if you can, you know, um, you can talk about the substance of the show, but try not to talk about like what you're having for dinner, okay? I'd appreciate that. Uh, all right, so here's the email that I sent out over the weekend. Dear passengers, the havoc the COVID-19 virus has wreaked on the entire planet is beyond measure. We'll be feeling the effects for years to come, maybe generations. Uh, the unthinkable sadness families and friends will feel when they lose somebody they love. The physical and emotional toll it's taken on the heroic and tireless healthcare workers and first responders. The stress the scientists are going through as they try to fast track a vaccine. The emotional roller coaster uh, and fear brought daily into our homes via the media. The lives ruined and likely some suicides caused by the unthinkable economic destruction. Businesses lost, jobs lost, retirement funds lost. The emotional stress and loneliness of being isolated in our homes for weeks on end. The horrible toll it's taken on our most precious and sometimes least valued generation as they remain isolated from family and friends in their senior care facilities. These are more than just bullet points. This time it's not somebody over there. It's us. It's all of us. These are real stories of real people, and much like what happened in the aftermath of 9-11, these stories will be told for decades in books, by word of mouth, and on the internet, and mostly by Hollywood. Scripts were being written all over Hollywood as soon as this pandemic became our new reality. Hundreds of them. Some, some may have already gotten the green light and casting is quietly being done over Zoom and Skype as I type this. 
As soon as it's allowed, socially distanced directors, can you imagine that with a mask on? <laughs> socially distanced directors where is it, uh, will be shouting action on movie and TV sets all over the world. And every single one of those productions is going to need... Hold on. What's it going to need? Music. Yes, sir, Bob. Uh, yes, in a perverse twist of fate, musicians who are often at the bottom of the food chain get to go in the front of the line this time around. How, you ask? Because you can start making music for the stories of the COVID-19 pandemic right now. You don't need to wait for anybody to greenlight your productions. But Michael, you say, what kind of music will they need? Uh, join me for a very special episode, Taxi TV, Monday, 4 p.m. Okay, I can skip that part together. You and I are going to look at every possible aspect of where, when, and how music will be used in the various types of TV shows, documentaries, and feature films. We're going to look at this through the lenses of screenwriters, directors, producers, music supervisors, and editors. By the end of the TV episode, this Taxi TV episode, you'll know not only what to create for the, for the coming onslaught of music requests, but you'll also have developed an incredibly valuable new skill set that 99% of musicians never even think about, anticipating which music will be needed before the cameras start to roll. So, first, let's take a look at the different types of media that will be made, and then we'll look at the various types of music each of those media forms will need in them. The media types that came to my mind, and believe me, I'm sure I'm going to finish this episode and then kick myself in the butt all night tonight going, oh, I should have said this, should have thought of that. I, I did the best I could to get everything in here that I possibly could. But for those of you who are going to post comments later, why didn't you mention this or you were wrong about that? What can I say? Uh, so the media types that came to my mind, and I'm sure that I might have overlooked some, are hour or 90 minute long news specials like we saw in abundance during and after 9-11. Uh, they will use mostly library music and mostly, if not entirely, instrumental cues. I've got something in my eye. Hmm. Uh, they will likely use an instrumental for a theme. Uh, most likely a news producer and an editor will choose and place the music. It's possible that a music supervisor could work on this, but in my opinion, that's doubtful. The next kind of media would be news or journalistic packages, which are usually short, self-contained tape news reports where the anchor reads a live introduction, then they cut to the pre-recorded story, usually told by a reporter. Um, 60 Minutes is a really good example of that. Um, and there are also shorter packages that are more like five minutes long and they appear within regular newscasts every night, like the NBC Nightly News. Examples could be on up close and uh, could be an up close and personal about a particular patient's story of survival, or maybe a story about a nurse who worked 20 hours a day for a month and felt helpless when there was nothing more she could do to save patient after patient. They will mostly use library music, mostly, uh, if, not entirely if not entirely instrumental cues. A news producer and an editor will choose and place that music. 
Next on the hit list, we've got episodic TV dramas, which uh, don't really need much explanation, but some examples that come to mind are shows like Grey's Anatomy, The Good Doctor, uh, The Resident, 911 in its various forms, Chicago Fire, The Rookie, Damages, The Good Wife, Suits, one of my favorite billions, um, This Is Us, yeah, I think you get the idea. Each of the different types of dramas will cover the pandemic story from a different angle, whether that's um, medical, legal, financial, family. All of them are going to be dramas, though. Um, they don't have the budget for huge, like Steven Spielberg-level directors, but they will likely use music supervisors, but they might not have the budget for songs from major label artists or big score composers. They may hire a TV scoring composer, or they'll use a lot of library music for score, background source music. Uh, where did it go? Background source music and songs for montages. The screenwriter's story will dictate the scenes. A director will determine how they are shot, uh, what the camera angle is. Do we follow somebody in a room or watch them enter the room from, you know, you're inside the room and see them coming at you? Um, what's happening in that room? When and how the lines are delivered. So all that stuff is going to be taken care of by the director. The executive producer will likely give notes to the music supervisor as to what kind of music is needed where. Um, and he and she will collaborate with the music supervisor. He or she will collaborate with the music supervisor whose job it is to do searches, present options, negotiate the license fees, and stay within the budget. The editor and the music editor will work together to, to determine things like where within the song does it enter. In other words, they probably won't start on the downbeat of the first note. They may enter you know, on the first important word of the chorus, for instance. Um, uh, they'll determine how long it plays for. Do any internal edits need to be done for timing or lyric placement? And when the song's use ends and how it ends. Does it, you know, fade? Does it, um, you know, end on a buttoned ending at the end of a scene? So those are the kinds of things that the editor and the music editor will work on. Now, Moving on to TV movies, uh, like you'd expect to see on Lifetime, the Hallmark Channel, HBO, Showtime, uh, Netflix, etc. Uh, they will virtually all be dramatic or somewhat, they're certainly not going to be comedies, that's for sure. Um, somewhat similar to uh, TV dramas, just twice as long with a longer developmental arc and more character development. They don't have the budget for huge Spielberg-level directors either. They will likely use music supervisors, but they may not have the budget for songs from major label artists or big score composers. They will likely use a lot of library music for their score, background source music, and songs for montages. Um, and once again, the screenwriter's story will dictate the scenes. A director will determine how they're shot, what the camera angle is, do we follow somebody into a room, do we watch them enter the room from within the room, what's going on in that room, and when and how the lines are delivered. 
the executive producer, or in this case, possibly the director, will likely give notes to the music supervisor as to what kind of music is needed where. And he or she will collaborate with the music supervisor, whose job it is, once again, to do searches, present options, negotiate the license fees, and hopefully stay within the budget. The editor and music editor will work together to determine things like where in the song, once again, um, or the track, does it enter? Does the music enter? Um, how long it plays for? And do any internal edits need to be done for timing or lyric placement when the song's use ends and when the song's use ends and how it ends? All right. Moving on to documentaries. Um, they're typically one to two hours long. They're fact-based. We all know that. Hopefully they're fact-based. Um, examples, uh, a couple of 9-11 examples that, I, that I've seen. Um, Inside the White House on 9-11, which was actually really, really good. Uh, or the tragedy of Flight 93. Now, I'm not talking about the movie Flight 93. I'm talking about the documentary about Flight 93 called The Tragedy of Flight 93. Um, so documentaries will likely have a theme. They will likely have end credit music uh, that could be score or it could be a song or a couple of songs, depending on how long the credit roll is. Um, where are we? Uh, lots of instrumental cues and lots of instrumental cues of various types. Depending on the budget of the documentary, they may or may not use a music supervisor. If they do, he or she will likely collaborate with the producer on what might be needed and where it will be needed. Then the supervisor will do the searches, present the options, negotiate the license fees, and stay within the budget once again, hopefully. The editor will likely determine things like where in the song or the track does it enter, how long it plays for, do any internal, <clears throat> excuse me, any internal edits need to be done for timing or lyric placement, and when the song's use ends and how. The producer, in this case, likely has the final say, but the director will likely have input. Uh, let me grab a swig of my Moroccan mint tea. Okay, moving on to a relatively new category of TV show, and it's called the docu-series. Typically, a docu-series is four to 12 episodes that are basically chopped up, uh, a chopped up documentary. I got two words for you. Let's, I want to see in the chat room how many people are familiar with this. The two words are Tiger King. Okay, uh, give me a plus one in the chat room if you have seen Tiger King. I'm curious. Mojo Bone sips tequila. <laughs> That's what I should be drinking for this show. Akira, Chris, The Random, uh, Chaptress, <laughs> reviews to watch it. I can't blame you. Okay, so a lot of you guys have seen it. It's weird. I mean, it's like trailer trash on parade. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have words for that show, but I, I, I was going to kill it after three episodes. And then it's like, you know, I've gotten this far. I might as well watch the whole damn thing. And I did. Okay, so uh, one more word uh, when you're thinking about docu-series that may come about uh, as a result of the coronavirus, and that word is Fauci. Hold on. That word is Fauci. 
as in Dr. Anthony Fauci, who we see on TV every single day of our lives right now. Um, they will certainly make a docu-series. I'm sure they've got cameras on that guy wherever he goes and whatever he does, and there will be a docu-series about him, and someday he'll run for king of the world because he's been made media famous by this whole thing. Um, they'll have a theme for that. They'll likely have end credit music, uh, instrumental cue or score style or possibly a song. Um, lots of instrumental cues of various types will get used in a typical docu-series. And once again, depending on the budget, they may or may not use a music supervisor. My guess is that most will. If they do, he or she will likely collaborate with the producer on what might be needed, where it will be needed, and then the supervisor will do the searches, present the options, negotiate the license fees, and stay within the budget. The editor will likely determine things like where in the song the track, uh, the song or the track enters, once again, how long it plays for, do any internal edits need to be done for timing or lyric placement, and when the song's use ends and how. In this case, the producer likely has the final say, but the director, shouldn't have stapled those, could have some input. Page six. All right, moving on now to the big kahuna. Um, man, I worked on the autofocus this weekend. I, I tried so hard to get the autofocus to be a little better than it's been lately, but apparently it's not cooperating. Sorry about that. Um, yes, a doctor, Dr. Uh, Burke's documentary or docuseries says Jan Wiledge. I agree. I like Dr. Burke's. She's cool. That woman has more um, Hermes scarves than any other person on the planet. I don't know how much those scarves cost, but I know they're expensive. And man, she must get paid a ton of money because that lady's got a different scarf every single day. I mean, she's been on TV now for what, five, six weeks running every single day. The woman's got a different scarf every day. I'll bet you she wears them to go to bed at night. <laughs> All right. So the big kahuna is big budget feature films with big stars, big producers, big directors, top music supervisors, a top score composer. Songs from big artists, maybe some library material, most likely songs for back, which would most likely be used as background source music in bars, cars, and restaurant scenes. Um, they're probably not going to license a $50,000 song for, you know, something that's playing on a car radio um, or maybe, maybe in a bar. Uh, the director and the music supervisor will collaborate on the choice of composer. The supervisor will present options for songs and possible source or background source music from libraries. Um, an example of how a piece of library music might actually make its way into a huge Hollywood production is let's say that ostensibly there's a, you know, the, the movie opens with a family at home, typical American family, except in this case, maybe, you know, the, the dad is a big financial guy and the mom is a, a doctor, an ER doc at a local hospital. And, you know, they're hollering for the kids to come down for breakfast as the movie opens up and the kids aren't responding. And uh, the dad opens the door, goes upstairs, opens the door to, uh, you know, like their eight-year-old kid's bedroom. And what's the kid doing? He's in there playing Super Mario Brothers. And what are we going to hear? We're going to hear 8-bit chiptune music, right? Coming off of that video game. Um, then he goes to his 13-year-old daughter's room and knocks on that door and opens it up and says, hey, come on down for breakfast. What are we going to hear? 
she's going to be listening to pop music, you know, like tween pop. So um, the music supervisor will source the music, mostly from big labels uh, and music publishers, major publishers. Um, he or she will, and he or she will negotiate the license fees. They may also license a really big song, uh, like huge, uh, for the opening credits and the credit and roll. They will collaborate, meaning the music supervisor will collaborate with the music editor who will source temp score. Temp score is they actually take pieces of score that never made it into other movies or maybe score that did make it into other movies and they will have the music editor lay that into their film. Um, they try and find something like they anticipate that the composer, uh, that the director would want the composer to do on this so that they can get a feel for how the score is going to lay in there. Um, now I've lost my place. Um, the director will in many cases have considerable input on the music choices uh, and final decisions and the music supervisor will have alternates. If he or she is a really good music supervisor, this is what pro music supervisors do. The, the real music supervisors who work on the big projects is they've always got backups or alternates for all kinds of music, uh, specifically songs, I would say, because they know that the directors on films will fall in love with the song, whether it's a song that they loved growing up or a song that their kid really likes or a song that somebody, you know, in the production company played, said, hey, this would be great for that scene. And then they get sucked into it, they like it, and they can't move away from it. And the music supervisor may be pulling his or her hair out because it's like, Hey, that song was from 1983. It doesn't work in that scene. Or maybe the song is, you know, a quarter of a million dollar license and they don't have that left in the music budget. So for those reasons, and I'm sure there are many more, really good professional music supervisors will anticipate that moment coming. It almost always seems to happen on the mix stage when there's absolutely no time to, you know, change anybody's mind and they're coming up on that scene to mix it in an hour and the director goes so did we get you know that rolling stone song uh why no we didn't it was out of the budget we just couldn't make a deal with them under any circumstance so the director's about ready to have a meltdown but a really good music supervisor will whip out his or her phone or ipad or laptop or something and say i've got some other stuff that sounds like a Rolling Stones type of band. Um, they're not ripping off the Stones, they're not ripping off a particular Stones song, but it's good old guitar-based rock and roll that just, if you like the Stones, you would like this, okay? Um, so that's one of, I, I think, one of the biggest challenges and probably when music supervisors are really earn their money is when they've thought of those problem moments when the director's going to melt down and they've thought about them weeks if not months in advance and they have a stash of maybe three four or five alternates that they can play and they also know that you never play the one you want picked first because the director will be in the hey there's nothing you can play me or cram down my throat that i'm going to fall in love with so don't even bother mode so it's usually the second or third alternate that they're going to play them. By that time, they've been impressed with the quality of the alternates. Their mind is a little more open and they might go, oh, you know what? That one might work. So there you go. Um, 
All right, so that's why a lot of times when you see these searches that go out, uh, briefs that go out and say, we need a song like the Rolling Stones and we need it by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, or sometimes, you know, their searches don't even go out. They will just reach out to people they know um, if they weren't smart enough to have a stash on their phones. And they, they may, you know, send out an email to five libraries they work with all the time. Do you have a Rolling Stone? Sound like I need it in five minutes or I need it in an hour. Okay, the next type of media is independent feature films. So they don't have the budget for big directors. They don't have the budget for big music supervisors. Um, they're probably not going to use songs from major label artists. Um, there may be occasions where they can get somebody who is a fairly well-known artist that, you know, it's kind of a brand name act and it's not going to be a $50,000 or a quarter of a million dollar license. It could be, you know, a $10,000 sink. Um, you know, indie films range from a couple hundred thousand dollars up to a million or two. So depending on where their budget is, it's kind of, you know, that will dictate what they can afford or not afford um, as far as the more well-known artists. Um, they're probably not going to have big score composers. Fact is, they're probably going to use a lot of library music for the score, for background source music, and songs for montages. Oftentimes, the producer or the writer-director, who are oftentimes the same person on an indie film, um, will act as the music supervisor. Um, we recently, in the last, I don't know, two months, I would say, uh, met a guy who is a, a great indie film producer, and he's been such a terrific asset to us. Um, we love having them um, help us get smarter about reaching out to indie film producers and how they source their music and what their budgets are and such. So uh, glad we've got him on board. Um, they, comparatively, they have comparatively little money, but they love finding, and this is a really cool thing about indie feature films, is they love finding great music from indie artists and composers. So there we have the, the media types. You know what? I shouldn't be throwing these on the floor because now I want to test the autofocus, which I tweaked, um, and go back and reiterate those one more time. So hour or 90 minute long news specials, news or journalistic packages, which could be the 60 minutes type, which generally run about 20 minutes, or it could be the three to five minute type, which airs on the nightly news. Episodic TV dramas, you know, we all know those shows. Once again, um, Grey's Anatomy, The Good Doctor, uh, The Resident, 911, Chicago Fire, The Rookie, Damages, uh, The Good Wife, blah, blah, blah. Big budget feature films and independent feature films. So, things to think about. Um, where do these scenes take place? Where do these stories take place? So let's talk about, you know, the coronavirus. Uh, let's, you know, let's look at a, let's take a, I was gonna, let's take, you know what? Let's take a movie of the week. Something like you would see on Hallmark. Um, so I would say that the countries are gonna be the big countries that have had a lot of issues with, uh, sadly, a lot of people um, not making it you know, after they become uh, sick with the virus. Um, the United States clearly is going to be in most of these scenes, certainly the productions that are made in America. Um, China. Can't leave China out of the mix on this. Um, 
I would say Italy. Um, what are some other countries that have been heavily affected? Um, I think Spain was heavily affected. So, you know, there are going to be scenes where um, you could have, you know, Dr. Fauci ostensibly or a Dr. Fauci-like character um, checking in with his equivalent in Italy or his equivalent in China or wherever. So um, when they reach out to those people, um, there may be scenes that have music that comes from those countries and wouldn't be like American pop, right? So you got to think about where. You also have to think about the where as in, is it a small town or is it a big city? Because the music's going to be different. Um, and what you hear is background source music playing in a small town diner versus what you'd hear in a Washington, D.C. restaurant. So let's say that... You know, your movie of the week uh, is going to be uh, about a family in Peoria, Illinois. Um, and they live in a, you know, a small farm community just outside of Peoria. And when the virus start, first starts getting legs and it becomes a news item and people are starting to talk about it, there could be a scene in that movie where the people are having a discussion in a typical small town diner. Um, what's going to be playing in that diner, you know, through the PA system, those ugly little speakers that are stuck in the ceiling? Um, country music? Probably a good guess, right? Um, now let's say that we're making a movie of the week, or even in the same movie, we cut to a scene with uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Anthony Fauci and uh, their cohorts, um, and they're having a lunch in a uh, Washington, D.C. restaurant, and they're talking about, of course, the virus. Well, what kind of music are you going to hear in that restaurant in Washington, D.C.? It's not going to be country music coming from the ceiling. It's probably going to be cocktail jazz, maybe, solo piano cocktail jazz. Um, so you have to think about all that stuff. And then further as to where these scenes take place, um, Let's look at a hospital. Where in the hospital is that scene? Is it an ER scene? Because that would probably be dramatic score that would be done by the composer, right? Um, an ICU an ICU scene. <laughs> yeah, that's a tongue twister. ICU scene. Um, that again would probably be a score, I would imagine. Um, it might also be, you know, some sort of sci-fi sounding stuff. It could be um, a little dramatic action cue, you know, as um, a patient starts coding in the ICU and, you know, the music's pace and intensity and tension are going to rise up at that point. Um, Let's see, uh, a regular hospital waiting room, they're gonna have calming background music coming once again from the ugly speakers in the ceiling, right? Um, the hallway. I don't actually think they have music in hallways at hospitals. I could be wrong about that one. Um, what if it's a lab scene? What if it is people frantically running tests to try and figure out if a particular patient um, has viral pneumonia? Uh, so the lab scene, which is in the hospital, is going to be, you know, uh, 
that CSI lab style womp, 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 kind of music as they're looking through the microscope. Um, and last but certainly not least, if you've ever been in a hospital, we all know that the second most important room in any hospital is in fact the cafeteria. Okay, another instance of where. Um, I think I need another sip of my Moroccan mint tea. <clears throat> all right, you guys all know if you're regulars of the show, you should know by now that I am a big fan. I should trademark this phrase, um, cars, bars, and restaurants, because so many movies, TV shows, etc., have scenes with cars, bars, and restaurants, right? And most of the time you need music for that. So let's think about this. Let's just take cars for a minute. Think about cars. Who's driving the car? Is it just one person in the car? Um, is it me driving the car? You know, is it somebody who's my age? Is it Dr. Fauci driving in his car? He hangs up the cell phone, um, turns up the radio. What's playing? Um, probably Steely Dan or the Beatles or something that, you know, my generation listens to. Um, maybe it's a, a scene where it's a mom with kids in the car. So there are now, it's not just the driver, it's other people in the car. Well, what would they listen to? Well, who are these kids? How old are they? Is it like a, a three-year-old and a six-year-old in their little car seats? Because um, they're going to tell the mom what they want to hear. Anybody who's got kids knows that the parents never get to listen to what they want to. That's why we all introduce the kids to the Beatles at the earliest possible age so that we can at least play the Beatles because generally kids like the Beatles and we know that the grown-ups like the Beatles. Um, but what if the kids are older? Um, you know, let's say that we've got a... Uh, a 13-year-old, there's that 13-year-old tween girl again, and we've got the 16-year-old son. They're probably going to be fighting over what they're going to force their parents to listen to. So it could be, you know, like some really hard rock for the son. Um, it could be hip-hop that might make them both happy. Uh, it could be female tween pop for the 13-year-old daughter. So all those things need to be thought about. What would they normally be listening to? Are they hearing a news flash in the car with breaking news instrumental, you know, uh, like. <laughs> news flash. Hopefully uh, they've got something a little better than that, but you get the idea. So uh, what if they turn on the radio and it's in the middle of a, uh, a commercial for Joe's Crab Shack? What kind of music would, would they be playing for that? You know, it could be like Cajun music or something. So it's not just they need great music for this film. They need the right kind of music for the right place, the right time, the right people. You really got to think this stuff through. Now let's move on to bars, which I know is a favorite subject for some of you. Um, what kind of bar is it? You know, is where is that bar? Is it a small town shit kicker bar? Is it a big city bar where financial guys are talking about the pending economic doom? Or one where politicians in D.C. are talking, you know, at the end of their day? <clears throat> um, oh, no, the politicians would have to actually be in Washington 
for that to happen. Right now, Congress is on break because we don't really need them. Um, maybe a bar in a college town. There's a good one. Uh, a bunch of irresponsible 19, 20, 21-year-olds hanging out in a bar in a college town, and they could care less about the virus because they're just out there drinking and having a good time, right? But we're going to show that in the movie um, because later that storyline is going to come into play. So we have to set it up. We set it up in a bar. Um, maybe it's a sophisticated gastro pub in San Francisco. Um, that would have yet another kind of music, right? Um, now let's move on to restaurants, which is pretty much the same thing as the bars, more or less. Um, but it also depends on the country, the city, or the town, you know. Is the restaurant uh, an Italian restaurant with two Italian healthcare professionals discussing the virus? Um, is it New York City? Is it, uh, who knows where, you know, but yeah, think about where it is, the city it's in, uh, what kind of restaurant, once again, you know, is it a, a diner? Um, is it a sophisticated place? We're going to pay $54 for a steak. Um, is it a cafeteria? They are all going to have music. Um, what if the location for one of the scenes is a spring break beach? What are you going to hear, you know, on Fort Lauderdale Beach during spring break with a bunch of half-naked college kids doing beer bongs? Hip-hop would be my guess, right? Um, a college dorm room scene. What are you going to see there or hear there? Um, the kids are in there and they're planning, uh, you know, they're, they're passing the bong around. They're talking about uh, planning their spring break trip. What are they going to be listening to? Uh, and, you know, to a pretty large extent, um, assuming that it's not mixed genders in that room, let's say that it's a boys' dorm, they're going to be listening to hip-hop or hard rock, um, maybe like heavy metal stuff. Um, if it's a girls' dorm room, they're going to be listening probably to pop, maybe to some hip-hop. Um, so again, it's not just the where, it's the when, what are they doing there, and who is in the room. Um, Let's say, let's go back to our opening scene with the mom and dad and the kids. Um, how old are those kids? What gender are they? Um, what would they listen to in their bedroom? Um, is one of them playing, I already covered this, uh, I ad-libbed that earlier. <laughs> one of them playing a video game or heavy metal or hip hop? Is it a seven-year-old playing Super Mario uh, with chiptune music playing? Um, Let's say the, the scene is a home with a young couple. Um, what are they doing? Um, what are they listening to when they're doing it? Um, are they listening to Lady Gaga while they're having a glass of wine uh, as, as they're making their dinner and talking about, did you hear about the virus? Um, is it after dinner and the husband is sitting on the couch playing a video game? Um, which video game is he playing? He certainly, well, I can't say certainly, but he's probably not going to be playing Super Mario Brothers. He's probably going to be pay, uh, playing uh, Call of Duty or, you know, one of the more violent games, and that's going to have a lot of metal in it. Um, let's go back to the Anthony Fauci uh, theme. Let's say that we are, uh, we're following Dr. Anthony Fauci, and he goes home after a 20-hour workday. What does Dr. Fauci listen to with his wife as he unwinds and tell her, tells her about uh, what's going on with the virus and what kind of day he had? You know, they're probably going to have a glass of wine. They're going to listen to 
um, either going back to, you know, like Steely Dan or the Beatles or the Eagles, you know, or Kenny Loggins or some Yacht Rock from my generation. Uh, maybe, maybe you know what? I bet Dr. Fauci listens to classical music. I'm going to call him right after the show's over and find out. I'll let you know. Um, office settings. There's another where. Um, man, there are going to be offices in these movies, right? So you're going to have governmental offices. You're going to have the offices of financial institutions. Uh, you're going to have offices at pharmaceutical companies, right? All those could potentially be in any one of these shows. Um, do they need dramatic score? Probably. Um, what about when somebody comes to work in the morning and swipes their little card going through the turnstile? Are we going to hear lobby music? Could. Um, what about when uh, Dr. Fauci gets, or no, I'm sorry, we're at the pharmaceutical, oh no, we're governmental financial institutions or pharmaceutical companies. Well, let's say they get into an elevator to go up to the 19th floor to their office. What's going to be happening in that elevator? Probably some discussion, hopefully with people being six feet apart, uh, or maybe they weren't hip to that yet, but there's going to be elevator music, soothing elevator music. Um, the standard industry joke for that is the girl from Ipanema. That's in so many elevators, you wouldn't believe it. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, it could be they walk into their office and the flat screen's on the wall and they turn it on and we've got breaking news. <laughs> Real breaking news music. It'd be really funny if somebody cranked out like, you know, a Spielberg level movie and they've got breaking news and that's what they play. Um, laboratories, or as I call them, laboratories. So I coined a phrase over the weekend, I believe, and it is, or maybe it was Thursday or Friday last week, lab style instrumentals. Or if you want to get really picky about it, you could call them CSI lab style instrumentals. Um, again, that those are the you know arpeggiated stuff as they're looking through the microscope trying to identify the virus. Um, so you need that lab style instrumental for that. Um, could be tension score. Could be a tension drone. Um, later in the movie, could be heroic score, right? Could be that somebody figured out, uh, came up with a vaccine that looks like a sure bet and you need heroic music to underscore that moment. Um, you're gonna go to work and leave work. And what do you do when you do that? You probably go in an elevator or through a lobby. So once again, you need elevator music or lobby music um, for the laboratory. All right, when do these scenes take place, right? I wrote a great song eight years ago and Taxi never forwarded it. Well, they're not going to forward it for this either because all these scenes are going to take place in 2020 with the possible exception of some flashbacks. But I'd say that's a pretty minimal bet. Possible. They may, you know, do a flashback to when a discussion was taking place about the SARS virus or something some years ago. Maybe they'll go back a few years. Um, so what kind of music would happen in the context of something today? Well, pretty much anything that you're going to hear on the charts today. So that's going to be the underlying theme of the when. 
there will be exceptions. Like I said, you know, when the uh, old dude like me gets in the car, he's probably going to listen to Yacht Rock. Um, but for the most part, the music has to be um, indicative uh, of today's charts because it sets a time, right? You don't only set the place, you got to set the time. So uh, the bottom line for all of this is, in other words, where they are, when they're there, what they're doing, who is there, and what the action or emotion are supposed to be in that scene. Those are the things that determine what's, what gets used. If you think just having a great song will get somebody who's an end user excited enough that they'll overlook all those incredibly important things I just talked about and use your song because it's friggin' awesome, please don't hold your breath. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> because you're going to turn purple. Um, let's talk about storylines now. Oh, goody. I was wondering if we're going to have time to uh, do something at the end of the show, which uh, I'll surprise you with, but I think maybe we will. Um, I'm on schedule. Yay. So let's talk about storylines. Well, uh, I think most people know, but I'll say it anyway. Um, most TV shows, most films, not so much documentaries, although I guess to some extent, um, but most media certainly most visual media, be it a movie, TV show, what have you, they have three acts. They have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I'm sure there's a more eloquent way to say it. Uh, but the beginning usually establishes and sets up, um, you know, identifies the characters, introduces the characters, tells you a little bit about them. Here's the mom. Um, you know, she's the, the, the busy housewife slash ER doc. Here's the dad who is uh, an important financial guy on Wall Street. And here are their two kids, you know, the eight-year-old or seven-year-old uh, playing um, Mario Brothers and the 13-year-old sister listening to Lady Gaga. So um, all those things could happen in the first act. We're establishing who the characters are. Then the middle is when the storyline really gets developed. Usually when the storyline is getting developed, certainly for a story like this, tension is going to be established and the characters are more fully developed. We're going to see the mom in the ER um, and what she's going through. So we're going to start seeing you know, the, the world of COVID-19 through her eyes. Then we're going to see a scene of the dad, you know, in his office at a big conference table with the other Wall Street type guys talking about how this is going to ruin the economy. And then, of course, we've got the, the end, which is when the story climaxes, um, the problem is resolved and the hero wins the day. But I didn't feel like my little description was sufficient enough. So I actually went online and did some homework and landed on a place called screenwriting.com. And I am going to now read you what I learned on screenwriting.com. Act one of three acts uh, in movie screenplay structure. This is the introductory act, approximately 25 to 30 pages long. Uh, it's integral and sets up the screenplay. Uh, in the first act, the freelance screenwriter introduces the story doesn't have to be freelance, but the screenwriter introduces the story and characters to the readers and viewers. The story question is identified and defined by the initial 
change the protagonist's faces. I got to think about that. The story question is identified. So, okay, what's going to happen with this virus? Um, that's the change. And the protagonist is obviously could be multiple protagonists, could be the ER doc mom and the financial dad and the kids off to school. Um, act two, um, one can divide the second act into two parts. The first part of Act 2, which is about 30 pages, not that we really care, will have the protagonist conflicting with and struggling against the antagonist or antagonist. So, you know, let's take the, the mom, the ER doc, um, and she's going to have a struggle where she's battling it out with other docs who don't believe this thing is going to get as bad as it, you know, she thinks it is. It could be... Uh, Anthony Fauci uh, debating this with the president. It could be um, the military guys talking about whether or not they want to use military resources to distribute, uh, you know, face masks and gloves and PPEs. You know what? None of us knew what a PPE was, unless you're a doctor or a dentist. None of us knew what a PPE was, right? Um, personal protective equipment, which I think generically kind of means the plastic face mask, which by the way, if you didn't catch my mention of it in a recent, I think the most recent taxi newsletter, I want to give a shout out to my dear friend, Tony Van Veen, who's the CEO at Dismakers and his incredible staff there. They switched from manufacturing CDs to manufacturing PPEs and shipping those out. So hats off to them for doing something really cool. Um, Second part of the second act begins when the protagonist determines a solution to his problem. I should say his or hers. Um, the second section of the the second section of Act Two of the three act yikes, screenplay is approximately fifteen pages and leads to the climax of the movie screenplay. No big shock there. Uh, moving on to Act Three, and again, this is from what was it that I said this came from? Um, Screenwriting.com, if you want to go learn more about this stuff. So Act 3, this is the final act where the life of the hero reaches a point where he has to make things work for himself and implement his plan um, if he had the chance to make a plan. In any case, this is the point where the protagonist takes drastic action to make things right and achieve his goal. There is a new twist to the movie screenplay. Um, your movie screenplay must be compelling to make viewers stick to their chairs, <laughs> stick to their chairs. Oh, must be watching it outside in Florida in July. Stick to their chairs waiting for more to come. Um, if at any point the story, uh, boy, th these people need to learn how to write. If at any point the story drags the story, the movie screenwriter should rewrite. No kidding. Um, Uh, let's see, I'm going to edit some stuff out. After the climax has been reached, all that's left is to resolve any loose ends and conclude the screenplay. Um, viewers' attention, yeah, none of that really matters. Okay, so um, I made a note here. I'm not sure. I might have actually covered this in other ways and other places here, but types of music needed, score for bigger dollar productions, end credits could be score or songs, covered that. Some documentaries might have score, but many, yeah, I got all that. So, uh, and I feel like I fell short on this. I'm going to hit you guys up for some suggestions, but instrumental cues that might be needed. So let's go back to our 
Lifetime or Hallmark Channel uh, movie of the week. It's a two-hour affair. Um, and yes, it could have a TV scoring person doing the score, but they're going to need um, some incidental music that probably won't be done by the person scoring. Um, so I wrote that they're going to need tension. They're going to need some action cues. They're going to need some lab-style so lab sci-fi arpeggiated stuff. Um, probably cocktail jazz. How about some introspective solo piano? How about church music? There's one we haven't talked about yet. How about organ music for funerals, right? We haven't even talked about that yet. Um, elevator music, video game music, chiptunes. Um, do you guys have any genres that you would like to suggest for a list of possible instrumental cues? Marion says, yes, church music, funeral music. Well, thank, thanks for the thumbs up on that, Marion. A medley? Why, Ken? Why would you need a medley? <laughs> lots of piano and cello. Jesse J. Peck, hey, good to see you, buddy. Uh, lots of piano and cello. Yes, absolutely, for those introspective scenes. Um, classical done in a modern style. Celtic in general, yeah, if we're going to Ireland. Um scary okay um military music that's a possibility it might be a little corny a little too obvious whoa it's flying by too quickly now um john pearson says christmas music because this was happening before christmas there you go you know that could be the setup to the whole thing maybe um the er doc mom the financial dad and the kids are all talking about this stuff on christmas morning um or shortly thereafter um Cass mckenty says 432 hertz i'm guessing that that's um a frequency that calms people down or aggravates the hell out of them um pierre says accordion music possibly um if we're going to france or italy maybe um Marion Laird says you're welcome for the thumbs up um susan hillman says eerie Monthon says, or Monthom, Monthom, well, we got to work on that, um, says piano music. Well, that doesn't really tell me anything. Are we talking about ragtime? What kind of piano music? Be specific. Um, funeral march, yeah, we got that already, well, in one form or another. Um, all the things I just said, a medley of all the things I just said. Uh, world music. Yeah, some extent, uh, possible Oriental or other countries. Africa music. Africa really didn't get hit nearly as badly as other parts of the, of the world. Um, New Orleans. Ooh, there you go. We need music for New Orleans. We need some Cajun, Cajun music. Um, wow, things are going by too quickly. Um, dirges. Um, heartbreak music. Slow, sad strings. Yes. Uh, listening to TV station apps and a few news ads proven a great source of current upbeat instrumental. Um, 
Africa just isn't testing. You're, you're right. Uh, but, you know, they also don't have the ability to travel as much within the country, certainly not, you know, in the center of the, of the continent. Uh, I don't think a lot of people on the plains of the Serengeti are flying in jets. Maybe they're taking buses and stuff. Um, marriages. Yeah, we could have a wedding scene. There you go. That would be an interesting story twist. Um sport crowds um yeah you know they could cut away to a scene of a sporting game you know where uh you know like a football game that's got dun 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 that's a good one um realizing everything's bad music uh i i would need a better suggestion on that um nine inch nails kind of stuff um lady gaga playing smile using one chord <laughs> Uh, Trent Reznor, absolutely. You know, uh, we use Trent, um, oh, what's his cohort? Trent Reznor and um, they do a lot of really good drone cues. Um, Peloton music, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Um, solo guitar, um, could be. Yeah, is this strictly for, hey, Betty, is this strictly for COVID-19? Yeah, we're talking about a, a film that's going to be on Lifetime uh, Network or... Um, Hallmark Channel about uh, patriotic hero music. Atticus Ross, thank you, Robbie. Um, somber, slow-driving, pensive stuff like Springsteen, Streets of Philadelphia. Um, all right, so I, I think we've got a lot there. Um, thank you for those contributions. All right, now let's move on to song themes. All right, are you ready? The staff and I have been bouncing these around and uh, hopefully the, the staff is watching these because you guys may come up with some other suggestions we haven't thought of yet. But songs with lyrics, and remember, universal lyrics. We don't want lyrics, nobody wants lyrics about I caught the virus and the virus won. Um, we don't want songs about Dr. Anthony Fauci. We don't want songs about, um, you know, I went to the hospital, I hope I come home. Those things are all way too specific. You want songs with universal lyrics. I'm trying to see if I can get um, Robin Frederick to join me for one of the quarantini hangouts uh, later this week so she and I can do an entire little segment on ways to make your songs that you would like to submit to these things, make your lyrics universal. Um, some, some general themes are familial love. You know, I love my family. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my kids. I love my cousins. Um, having hope. Getting through tough times. The light at the end of the tunnel. That one's going to be popular. Um, taking care of others. Beating the odds. Staying strong in the face of adversity. Romantic love. What if, uh, you know, the... Let's say that our, our ER doc and her financial husband have a 20-year-old uh, a daughter um, who's been shacking up with her boyfriend at college, but her parents tell her to come home to ride out this virus thing. And so, you know, there's going to be a song when there's a montage of her falling asleep at night. The song's going to be about, oh, how I miss you, and I hope we get through this, but, you know, uh, romantic love. Um, introspective. Songs about sizing up one's life in the face of pending doom. Is it pending doom or impending doom? Well, whatever. In the face of doom. Um, 
you know, uh, somebody who is maybe afflicted with the virus in the hospital, not doing well. And they're thinking uh, we're seeing that scene is seeing it through the patient's eyes. What would the song be about when the patient is there on life support, unconscious? Um, so what's the song going to be about for, and don't, don't make any funny remarks, what's the song going to be about for that montage um, where he's potentially, he or she's doing flashbacks and, and thinking about their life? It's going to be sizing up one's life. Yeah. Retrospective, looking back at one's life fondly or with regret. Maybe that person who's thinking they're not, not going to make it is thinking, gee, you know, I wished that I hadn't divorced my wife or I wish I was a better parent to my children. I wish, I wish, I wish. Um, hopelessness. Loneliness. Uh, fear of the unknown. Want to see how I solved loneliness? As many of you know, my family got stuck out of town 7,500 miles away, and I'm here all alone. Come on, focus, damn it. Here's how I've solved loneliness. I borrowed Wilson from Tom Hanks. <clears throat> okay. Um, fear of the unknown. Ooh, songs about fear of the unknown. That sounds good. Um, friendship, overcoming hardships, banding together, and of course, heroism. Man, there are going to be a lot of movies, and rightfully so, about first responders, whether they're police, firemen, paramedics, um, certainly nurses, doctors, lab technicians, you know, ugh, man, they're going to make entire films just about those folks, and they should. Um, we're also going to need background source songs, right? Um, for all the aforementioned situations, the car, uh, and by the way, um, source music, if you're kind of new to the family here and you know, you've never been on the show before, you've never been in the chat room before, maybe you're going, what does he mean by background source music or what is source music? Because uh, there's source and there's background source. Um, source music is music that plays in a scene that... If, if the scene were real and the characters were real, that they would hear the music in the place that they're standing. So they're in a bar and they hear, you know, you know blues rock in a bar. Um, that's source music. It's coming from a source, either from a jukebox or maybe a band off in the background that you don't see, or maybe speakers in the ceiling. It's coming from a source. The kid playing the video game, Mario Brothers, um, it's coming from a source. It's coming out of his, his speakers on his computer or his TV set. Um, you're in a car and you turn on the radio. The music is coming from a source. So it becomes background source if there's dialogue that's happening over it, um, which is mostly the case. Um, so background source songs, what, you know, what genres, and I'm sure this list is not as exhaustive as it should be, but metal, rock, Yacht rock, tween pop, pop, chip tunes, breaking news themes, um, and country for bars and cars. And of course, uh, we just came up with, and I thought that was a great suggestion, um, Cajun music for if they do anything in New Orleans. Um, okay. 
So I want to come up with, I want, let's develop a screenplay, um, a hypothetical screenplay. And let's, you know, let, let's do act one right now. Act one is the um, ER doc mom and the financial dude husband. And let's, let's go with the uh, seven-year-old, now, you know what, three kids, seven-year-old uh, playing the chiptunes. We've already done the first scene. The parents are coming to this realization that this thing is happening. It's a point of discussion. Um, they're in the kitchen. The mom and dad are there, and they've got the little TV on the kitchen counter, and all of a sudden, uh, CNN reports that there's this virus in China, and somebody in Boston, which truly happened, just fell ill from, I think the first person to get sick in America was in Boston. And it, it's a thing. It's not a big thing, but it's a thing. So, um, and the kids aren't coming down to breakfast. So let's establish the characters. We've got the uh, seven-year-old playing Mario Brothers, chiptune music. We've got the 13-year-old daughter and she's listening to pop or maybe hip hop. Um, and then we've got their uh, 19 or 20 year old daughter who's away at college and what is she listening to? So we're gonna need music for each of those places and each of those character introductions, right? So now, um, who, who do we have drive the kids to school? Is it mom driving the kids to school on her way to the ER? Or is it dad driving the kids to school? Scott Hansen said, said it's 420. He's having a hard time keeping up with all the details. Yeah, think about me writing this stuff over the weekend, believing. Um, the nanny's driving him to school. You're probably right there. All right, so most people are saying the dad. Alan Hall says walk to school. The kids aren't that healthy. Their mom may be a doctor, but the kids aren't cooperative. Okay, so the dad's driving him to school. We get in the car with the dad, and he... Uh, he turns on the radio and it's Kenny Loggins playing. Um, and the kid's are like, Dad, gross, turn that crap off. So the the daughter, you know, undoes her seatbelt, goes between the two front seats, reaches out and hits the, the channel changing thing on the, the radio and she puts on uh, the pop station. And immediately like a Lady Gaga-esque tune starts coming out of the radio. But then the seven-year-old starts having a cow. It has an absolute meltdown. Um, the seven-year-old wants to hear, you know, Beatles. And the dad says, fine, well, listen to the Beatles. Everybody likes the Beatles. So there we go. So we've got that. And now the dad drops the kids off to school. And as soon as he waves goodbye and blows a kiss to the, the you know, second kid, um, he starts driving to work. And he's on his way to his big financial office. And he turns the radio back on. And now he's got whatever 60-year-old dad's listened to, he's listening. Well, actually, he's probably younger. No, he's got a 20-year-old. So he's like 50, 60 years old, and he's going to listen to whatever 50- or 60-year-old males listen to. And then he parks the car uh, in the underground parking of his office building, and lo and behold, when he gets out of the car in the office building, what do we hear? They have music in garages, at least in L.A. we do. Um Sounds like the script is so 90s. Yeah, well, 
If I were any good at this, cast, I'd be a Hollywood screenwriter. Uh, Tom Petty or Pink Floyd. There you go. Those are two great suggestion suggestions. And now <laughs> Israel Tenenbaum says you'd hear coughing. <laughs> oh, man. So now, uh, yeah, he, he leaves the, you know, goes through the double doors, uh, leaves the garage, and he hears the same music he was getting in the garage, gets in the elevator, and now he hears Girl from Ipanema playing as the elevator music. Then he gets out on the 19th floor and he walks through the doors of the financial institution, says, good morning, Maria, to the receptionist. And there's music playing in the lobby. And what's that going to be? Um, I'm guessing classical, maybe. Maybe light jazz, something soothing, non-offensive that everybody kind of likes. So office music, right? And then the dad goes into his particular office and the TV's got yet another news report with more breaking news music, or maybe it's a news package theme like the CNN theme or Fox News theme or something like that, right? So there you go. That's act one in short. That's a really short act one. <laughs> um, you know, we could have more music. Uh, let's think about this. So the dad goes through his day. We're going to have a lot of breaking news. I bet breaking news themes are going to be very, very popular um, with all these films that are going to be coming out. So the dad goes through his shtick where he's, you know, talking to all the other guys, uh, you know, and is uh, working at Charles Schwab or wherever he works. Um, and then, uh, then we're going to cut away to the mom's story because there can be more than one story within an act, certainly. We're following two or three or four different characters. So now the mom uh, is at the hospital. Not a lot of music going on in the ER, I'm afraid. Um, but then at some point, the mom's gonna take a break from the ER, and she's gonna go to the cafeteria, and we're gonna hear hospital cafeteria music, which is gonna be some inane crap coming out of the speakers in the ceiling. Once again, probably very much like you would hear in the grocery store, right? So, um, Yacht Rock. Let's go with Yacht Rock for the, the cafeteria at the hospital. Then the mom goes back, and we're going to have score, of course, going on as people are getting sicker by the minute in the ER, and they're frustrated, and they're scared, and they don't know what the hell's going on, and, and the, the intensity of the tension is going to ramp up. And then after a 16-hour day, the mom goes home, what is the mom going to listen to in her car on her way home from the hospital? Um, John Pearson says a nurse or doctor listening on AirPods. I don't think they can. I think they need to be able to hear announcements or, you know, like code blue in room four. Um, the mom's not going to listen to death metal maroon five. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> chapters publishing says maroon five that's a good choice that's the mom's going to listen to on her way home and there you go norman roosevelt says glenn campbell so all those are possibilities but see you're thinking that's what i want you to do i want you to think about this stuff because there is a point to all this and we're going to get to it in a couple of minutes or a few minutes so okay um, then we come home, the dad comes home, the mom comes home, uh, the bratty little kids come home, and of course, you know, the, the kid is back on uh, Super Mario Brothers once again. 
Um, the daughter's listening to some other form of pop. But see, she's listened to pop a few times already. Um, and the mom and dad uh, say goodnight to the kids. They go downstairs, uh, pop open a bottle of wine, and they're going to start comparing their days. The, the mom's going to talk about this thing looks like it's going to be serious. The score is going to reflect that. Um, the dad agrees, and he says, can you imagine the, you know, the financial ramifications of this? Um, the score gets even more serious and, and doomsday-ish. Um, and they turn on the TV when they get into bed. They want to get an update, and of course, we've got more breaking news theme, I'm telling you. Breaking news theme is where I'd put my money if I were an instrumentalist right now. Um, okay, so that's Act 1. Um, act 2 is going to be much more of the same, but it's going to involve a wider cast of characters. It's going to involve the reports with Anthony Fauci and Dr. Burks. Um, it's going to be talking to people in other countries about how, you know, what the, the arc is, uh, you know, what, did you flatten the curve in Italy? Um, all that stuff. So again, I, I've covered all this stuff, but you've got to think this through. If you sit down and write an imaginary screenplay in your head, you'll be able to come up with so many possibilities, but don't just come up with possibilities of what you can do. Come up with every possibility you can, and then go through and look at, try and triangulate and go, okay, this is what I do and I do it well. And that uh, locks into something that they're going to need quite a bit of. So that would be a good place. And, you know, actually, I'm a big fan of triangulation, but I was editing uh, yesterday. Um, John Pearson, who's in the chat room today, is our next passenger profile in the Taxi Newsletter. And he said, Michael, you're going to yell at me um, in, in the interview. He said, you're going to yell at me. No, I'm not. Uh, because I don't, I'm always telling people to write to the taxi listings. It's much more efficient. And this way, they're not writing stuff that probably doesn't really fit the listings and then getting pissed off at taxi when we don't forward this stuff. But John does something really smart. He actually does this in his own brain. He triangulates. He thinks about what's on the charts right now. Um, what do I see getting used in a lot of TV commercials right now? So he is a student of all these things. And then he creates music that he's pretty confident will plug into those scenarios. Honestly, if most people could do that, I would say do it. I just don't think most people um, are maybe as OCD as John is about doing it. And you've got to be, you've got to really pay attention to all that stuff. But that's a great way to get ideas for what kind of music to work on. And then coordinate, triangulate what is being needed with what you can do. I guess if I'm triangulating, there should be a third. Oh, uh, and then what the industry needs. So what gets used a lot in general um, what you do well, combine the third, uh, third leg of the triangle, third side of the triangle is actually what the industry asks for. And hopefully the first two sides of your triangle line up with the third. So now we move on to act three and we're really developing the storyline with the, the first responders and, um, and, you know, police, you could have two police persons, <laughs> I, covered that or handled that deftly, didn't I? Um, are you allowed to say policeman anymore? Police officers. There you go. That's generic and neutral. Two police officers in a car, um, and they've got the radio on kind of low. They've got to be able to hear their squawk box so they know if something's coming up, but they could have music. Um, 
Same thing would be true of a couple of uh, guys in an ambulance, you know, or paramedics. Um, they've got some music on, but they're also, they got to listen to Squawk Box. Um, so all these different types of people in different scenes are listening to different types of music. It's your job to imagine, because so many of these shows, certainly the uh, movie of the week type of things, and the um, you know hour-long dramas that are going to have this as part of their ongoing storyline for a se in within a season, um, the fall season I would imagine is going to you know like every show is going to have something about the pandemic in there. So it doesn't take much to think about this stuff, but you got to turn off the TV set, cut out the other distractions in your life and sit down and just think this through. And once again, make a list of all the different types of scenarios in the scenes. Going back to act three for a minute, um, in the end, this is all going to be resolved. God willing, right? Uh, it's going to be resolved and we are going to have geniuses in the labs that came up with the uh, vaccine we're going to have geniuses in the labs that came up with the the cure for the symptoms um we're going to have uh you know dr fauci and dr burks making uh, a big announcement that we've got these things there's going to be score for that um that's going to be very um anthemic and heroic um, we might show the, the first football game of the season. We're finally allowed to go back into a stadium. What kind of music are you going to hear there? Um, what kind of music are you going to see when your uh, irresponsible college kid finishes, puts down the bong, gets on a plane, and, and goes somewhere for spring break again? All these things are going to take place in the myriad shows that will be done about this. So you got to think about it. Uh, if you want to put yourself at the head of the class, that you need to think strategically about who needs music in the not-too-distant future. So how do you do it? Um, if you don't already have, you should have, be on IMDb anyway, the Internet Movie Database. But if you really want to be a professional in the music industry, certainly music for media industry, pay for IMDb Pro. Because that's got, you know, log lines and casts and things like that that you can't see on regular IMDb. Um, Variety has something you can sign up for and see all this stuff. Um, but look at the production schedules. Um, look at the log lines. The log line is basically like a, a sentence that says, um, doctor, wife, husband, financial husband, and their kids go through uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic from three different perspectives while living in Washington, D.C. That's a log line. Um, here's a good one. Look at the cast, because while you probably can't get your hands on a script, you can look at a cast and see, oh, look at that. They've got the mother cast. They've got the father cast. They've got three children cast. So again, you know they've got three kids. What do the kids listen to? They've got somebody cast as Dr. Anthony Fauci. Somebody cast as Dr. Deborah Burks. So just by looking at the cast members, you know kind of where the story is going, certainly who's going to be appearing and where they'll be in many cases. 
Um, you also know the production schedule. You know probably when it's going to go into post-production, when the release date is. And now you're thinking, this is great information Michael's given me because I'm going to reach out directly to a music supervisor because chances are the music supervisor is listed in there with cast and crew. But you're going to quickly find out that the last thing music supervisors, for the most part, the last thing they want to do is talk to John Q. Musician. Why? Because they don't want to talk to five or a hundred or a thousand John Q. Musicians. That's why they go to trusted sources like production music libraries and sync agents. Um, they want to go to people that are going to curate the stuff for them. Um, no matter how much you believe in your music, no matter how good your family and friends tell you it is, no matter how incredibly wonderful you think it's going to be for that production, if you reach out directly to the music supervisor, they're going to know from past experiences where they got chumped out that it's probably not going to be as good as you thought. It's probably not going to be as on target as you thought. Um, and frankly, they don't want to deal directly with you on a business level. They don't know that you're responsible and you'll meet deadlines. They don't know that if they need a lyric change on something that you're going to turn around on time. They don't know that you're not going to drive them crazy negotiating on something that frankly shouldn't even be negotiated. If they say, you know, uh, the sync fee for getting this in, the, you know, this movie of the week on Hallmark is 3,500 bucks and you go, uh, I want 5,000. No, if they've got 3,500, there's not a lot of wiggle room on that. Typically, those things aren't negotiated, certainly not for library type tracks. Yeah, if you're the Rolling Stones, you can negotiate all day long, but you're not, right? I'm not. None of us are. Although, oh no, never mind, I won't say it. Um, so you've got to think like a music supervisor, think like a director, think like a TV producer, and think strategically about the timing of your pitch. Um, should you go directly to those people? No, they don't want to deal with you. But should you be watching Taxi's listings every single day right now? Absolutely. Our listings are becoming chock full of requests for music for these shows. So you're going to see what's actually being asked for by the libraries. In some cases, it'll be by the supervisors. Um, should you reach out to the music libraries that you already have relationships with and say, hey, by the way, uh, I see that Hallmark has a pandemic movie uh, coming up and it looks like they're going to start shooting it in June and it's going to be coming out around Thanksgiving time. Um, do you want me to make you some sad um, tension cue? Some what? Oh, pfft. <laughs> some lab style tension cues. Um, do you need songs about sticking together through tough times? Obviously, the, the list is going to be longer than what I'm reading off here. Um, that's what I would do. If I were you guys, I would reach out to the libraries, uh, especially libraries that you already have existing relationships with because they know you. They know you're not a nut. They know that you act professionally. They know the quality level, where your bar is set. Um, they know that if they offer you a deal on something, you're not going to try and negotiate the deal because you understand that library deals are pretty standard, that they generally won't negotiate. Um, so they're going to really like the fact that you've done your homework and that you're feeding them music that they are certainly going to need, right? So there you go. You are now better equipped, I believe, than 99% of all the other musicians out there who never think about this stuff. All they think about 
is making music that they love, that their family and friends will love and hold them up on a pedestal and say, you're a genius, you're really good. And that's great, I understand. There's art and there's ego and there's all that stuff wrapped up in what musicians do. But for our purposes, we're talking music for media and we're talking music for media for a specific kind of media, a range of specific kinds of media about the pandemic. And I guarantee you that very, very, very few other musicians are even thinking about this stuff or in general thinking strategically. So there you go. And we have, I can't believe I got all that in with six minutes to go. Hold on. I'm giving myself some applause. <laughs> I was very stressed out about that today as I was writing and rewriting and editing all this. It's really hard to time this stuff. Um, anyway, so uh, do you guys have any questions? Because we've got six minutes left to go and I'd be more than happy. Um, thank you for the compliments in the chat room. I appreciate it. Um, seriously, Michael, would you consider an episode of Taxi TV listening to submissions of funeral, dying tension cues, lapsa? Um, yes. Send an email to taxitv at taxi.com suggesting that. Um, Anne House says, that was stunning. Thank you. That was fantastic. Thank you, guys. Enough of the compliments. I appreciate them, but let's get some substantive questions in there. Um, uh, somebody's saying thank you for recommending that you guys all watch Contagion, that um, it was prescient on my part. Um, Cass says, I've inspired a bunch of music to be made. Thank you. Um, so good, so helpful. No questions. <laughs> Linda Starr says, don't you ever retire. <laughs> uh, great episode. The bar just got raised. Yeah, you're only going to get one that's this good about once a year. <laughs> Seriously, I, I spent easily 14 hours yesterday researching this, thinking about it, writing and rewriting, editing all the stuff, and then spent more hours today, many more hours today, like five more hours today working on it. I do want to have Robin Frederick. I actually emailed her yesterday and said, Robin, this is what I'm doing. Will you join me for one of the uh, quarantine happy hours this week and do a segment uh, where you and I can brainstorm um, some universal uh, lyric themes for the COVID pandemic films upcoming and she answered me about something else didn't get back to me about that i think she just forgot so i will remind her this evening um what are the odds of covid19 dramedy um only if a comedian ends up in the hospital in the film would they need dramedy um So instrumentals like drones? Yeah, absolutely like drones. Um, would catchy song titles get more attention for listening of our songs in the library? Um, if so, examples. So yeah, um, gosh, uh, put me on the spot here, but let's say that you're doing introspective, no, retrospective songs. You've just lost a family member, not you, the, you know, the protagonist in the movie just lost a, a family member to the virus and they've just returned home from the funeral and they've gone up, uh, let's say it's a 45-year-old guy who just lost his 70-year-old father and he's going up to his parents' bedroom and he pulled out some family photos 
and he's looking through those photos and wiping the tears and what would the song be about um and i don't know that I, I i would spend more time trying to come up with titles than i want to spend right now because i want to get to other questions but absolutely that stuff's going to be um marion said i missed her question about instrumentation for cues read the listings watch contagion um uh, Jeff Westman says, I can see Larry David doing something about social distancing on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Absolutely. But it, it, I, I don't think they really use a lot of outside music. I think whoever scores that show does it. Um, how about songs showing gratitude towards those frontline doctors and nurses? Yeah. Songs that are generally, I mean, if you say nurse, doctor, or anything about the virus, you'll 100% kill your chances. But just songs that imply it by the nature of how grateful you are is what they're going to be looking for. Absolutely. Um, Tom Hoy says, another angel in heaven. There you go. Um, two angels today. There's a title for you. One is the angel of the person who just slipped away, and the other is the angel of the nurse who so desperately tried to save the patient. Patient. There you go. I, I, I want 10% of that song. <laughs> is there anything special to know about two-hour dramas that always run Lifetime or similar networks? Usually female villain... Whoop. Usually a female villain, that's because Lifetime is a, a female-centric network. Usually a female villain and a female hero. And I suppose COVID can be in the pot? Hell yeah. Um, yeah, you know, uh, that's a good point. Lifetime is, you know, a network that's primarily uh, female-centric. The, the stories they tell in their movies of the week on Lifetime are probably going to be from a female doctor, female nurse, female paramedic, female I lost a family member, female I'm a mom of a family, uh, from the fe feminine perspective. Um, so that may affect things. Um, will instrumental, introspective guitar and piano be used? I would imagine so. Um, some of that will be, depending on the size and the budget of the production, some of that will be done um, by the person scoring. Here, here's something that may, may never have crossed your mind before. Score composers want to get as much of their music into a production as possible because the more music, the more money they make. Um, they get um, paid by the minute, uh, depending on the type of production, and they get paid, of course, um, through their PRO in the end. So they are going to want to put score in as often as they can. A lot of times if you look at music credits, you'll see that whoever the score composer was also had a song in a disco. Maybe the score composer is 60 and grew up in the disco era and used to be in a disco band and can do that. So they will do, and rightfully so, anything they can do to get as much of their music in as possible. That sometimes doesn't leave a lot of opportunities for um, instrumental cues in shows that have a score composer, but there are always some, just maybe not a lot in that type of show. Um, okay. All right. I think I got to call it a day because we are at the end of the show, but you know, thank you guys. Thank you so much 
um, for showing up. Uh, really, I wouldn't do this much work for just anybody, but I would do it for you guys. Uh, I really appreciate the good turnout today um, and the enthusiasm and all the nice compliments. Um, please do me a favor now. Um, when the show is live online in the archive, go back to um, Taxi's page on YouTube and put stuff in the comments. Um, let other musicians know that there's quality stuff in there that they should know. If you want to ask some questions that aren't going to take me multiple paragraphs to answer, I will do my best to answer some of those. Um, if you're not a subscriber and today was your first time watching the show, hit the red subscribe button. Also, um, if you'd like to get alerted when we do our shows on Monday at four o'clock, and for as long as uh, we're all quarantined, we're gonna do the quarantini happy hour from four to five every weekday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that is. Um, hit that little red bell up in the corner, up in, yeah, that corner, um, and you'll get alerts. Um, Cass says, can we talk about our dinners now? Yeah, I'm having buffalo chicken wings grilled out, grilled outside and then brought in in buffalo sauce. Um, Ken Messford says, thanks, Michael. Go hug your ball. <laughs> he means my Wilson ball. Oh. <laughs> All right, you guys, have a great night. Whoa. See you tomorrow for the quarantine happy hour. Whoa, there's my volume. And see you next Monday for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye, you guys.